Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello there. Happy Saturday and welcome into Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. I'm Pete Sweeney. If you missed a bit from our Arrowhead Pride podcast network this week or just were getting away after what happened on Sunday night, here's your chance to dive back in. And we start with Arrowhead Pride's Out of Structure with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner as they took your questions from Twitter We continue on with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, myself and John Dixon, a discussion on Juan Thornhill and Chris Jones. The Great British Chief Show begins around the 22-minute mark as the guys across the pond take their very first look at the Los Angeles Chargers. We take a quick break and continue after the break with Show and BK on the Chiefs. It's apparent the Chiefs have to fix this defense, and we finish up around the 45-minute mark with Matt Money-Smith, the play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Chargers. Some insight there, and he also recounts how he missed on Patrick Mahomes when he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a great show. It's best of the week right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We start with the guys from Out of Structure. Welcome back to the Out of Structure Podcast. Thank you for sticking with us. It's time to get to your Twitter questions, and there were a ton of them, and they were very pointed. Uh, Many of them around the defensive performance, and so we want to get to as many of these as we can. Ron, uh, let's start with, with J.C. Proctor. One simple question, do the Chiefs actually have a defense? And he says, I'll, I'll take my, my, my answer off the air. I, I appreciate the, uh, the radio format of J.C.'s question here. Yeah, and, and we got some other guys like that bowling dude asking uh, at TS Bowling Guy, why is our defense so atrocious? I think that's in the same uh, ballpark as, as uh, our guy J.C. Proctor's. But, yeah, guys, it, it, the defense didn't look like it existed last night for sure. Um, that it's At the same time, though, they were able to make plays. Tyron Matthews pick six at the, at the beginning of the game really set the tone. He also had another great pick. He also made a pass breakup in the end zone later in the game that was super important and, and was a good play by him. You know, I, I, I do think the defense could have played better, no doubt. And it was actually, in my opinion, the worst defensive performance in the Steve Spagnuolo era. But like we mentioned earlier already, man, it, 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 that's how much this offense matters and how little the defensive performance matters that the Chiefs still could have won, even despite a horrific performance from the defensive end, for sure. You know, sometimes you're going to get in shootouts and, and it's going to happen. Uh, these two teams couldn't be more different in the way they go about it, but they can both put points on the board. And they did last night. If you look back historically to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to have to score 35 or more points. Uh, 36 or more, to be exact, is the average number of, of the losses in Patrick Mahomes' career. Uh, that, that played out last night. But what you would like to see from the defense maybe is to be able to, to get a stop in the red zone. They were, they're now 8-for-8. Eight eight. Uh, Chiefs opponents on the season are now 8-for-8 eight eight against the Chiefs in the red zone, scoring touchdowns every single time they get down there. Uh, they're one of only a handful of teams in the NFL that have not gotten a stop in the red zone yet. That should have been a point of emphasis. I feel like they talked about it in the, the offseason, the preseason quite a bit. And they are uh, – that is the one area where they're simply atrocious on defense so far. Yeah, and, and, and to break down a little bit of what was wrong with the defense, we'll, ask, we'll get a few questions in from our guy, Chef Boy RDG on Twitter. Did our defense do anything good besides catch two horrible passes? Also, what change could we have made, uh, you know, to be better against? They feel like they were one-dimensional. We couldn't stop the run. Andy Roloff on Twitter asks, who's to blame for defense, players, coaching staff, or Veach? Ben Higgins on Twitter asks, in your opinion, is the Chiefs poor run defense more of a scheme issue or personnel issue? This is where I want to take the time to say that, in my opinion, I know we've kind of mentioned that a few of the things that Spags could have done better in terms of who's in the game. This is an execution thing. 
the Chiefs could not get off blocks. The Chiefs could not make tackles. Andy Andy really said that after the game. He pointed that out. He said it, you know, two or three times how they could not get off blocks. I really think this was an execution thing. I don't think we should put too much of this on Spags. I think the defense just needs to step up. Each individual needs to step up and make plays. And that's why I really think we, we missed Willie Gay. I think we might have a question to, uh, about that uh, later, but I'll go ahead and say right now, Willie Gay would have made a huge difference in this game. Just his pure athleticism and his playmaking ability in terms of exploding through a run lane and making a tackle or on those wide runs, chasing down Lamar, Willie Gay can chase down Lamar. Nick Bolton, Anthony Hitchens, and Ben Neiman aren't, aren't getting even close to Jackson. So, yeah, I, I do think this was more of a personnel issue for sure. And, and maybe you can blame that on Beach, but I do think once we see Gay in the game, if we did see Gay last night, it would have been a much bigger, uh, big, better performance from the defense just off his play alone because it's so, it, this offense takes advantage of linebacker play so much. And so I do think it was a lot more about the uh, personnel in the game, the execution of the players in the game, rather than the actual uh, uh, game planning or the coaching staff. I don't know, Ron. We fell for that jig a little bit coming from last week. We expected this defense to be a lot better with Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew on the field this week. And and I think you saw a worse performance overall uh, th- than we did in week one. So, you know, it's tough to say that, you know, one injured player returning is going to change it. Although I see the argument about the linebackers. It's just uh, I'm feeling a little snake bit based on our predictions so far. Yeah, absolutely. And and just think about it, though. I mean, imagine if Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew weren't playing in this game and how bad it would have been then. So I, I do think, you know, the defense as a whole, their personnel got better having those two guys in. They just didn't execute better. And and this offense is a lot more harder to defend than Cleveland's is, I would say. Cleveland has a hard offense for sure, and they, and they ran a good game plan as well. But Baltimore's defense just gives you so many different looks, so many different, you know, things to defend, so many ways to defend it you know, the counters, the misdirections. And then obviously just having a quarterback be your runner, that adds a diff- an, another number that the offense has an extra number that you have to defend that most offenses you don't have to defend. If you're playing a, a great Cleveland Browns offense, a rushing offense, Baker's not ever running the ball, you know, obviously a scramble maybe, but you don't have, you, you're, you're already down a number if, you, if your quarterback's never a threat to run the ball. But that's the whole reason Baltimore is so hard to defend is because they have that extra number and it gives them an extra blocker in the run game. Uh, just gives them a whole nother dimension that the defense just could not execute, get off blocks and, and make plays on for sure. You bet. I, I, schematically and personnel wise, you know, could they have done some more things in game? I think we threw this out there earlier. Uh, maybe you have a, a spy on, on Lamar Jackson that can actually keep up with him. Again, I mentioned Dorian O'Daniel, not that he's going to be the end all solution to any of the chiefs problems, but in a scenario where, um, you needed one player to hit Lamar and, and to keep an eye on him. Maybe they could have brought in, uh, you know, somebody just for that specific role. Um, other, otherwise, I'm not sure what else they could have done. They they load up against the run. It didn't seem to matter, you know. So, uh, you know, there's it's one of those games where it just probably is going to be a shootout, and it's a tough matchup for the Chiefs. And, you know, next week and the week after, uh, we'll see if this defense comes together and if there's real long-term concerns or if this is just a, hey, that was a tough matchup and a tough game for the for the defense. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to, uh, you know, answer a few questions. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Vivo at Sixth Sense, how do we stop the run? Brett Veach, Burner at Burner Veach, how does this defense turn it around? Those kind of questions, guys, I really do think this Ravens offense is so unique that I don't think the run defense actually is that that big of it like this much of a liability as it was on Sunday night I just think this Ravens offense executed so well and like I already said the defense just didn't execute but it's a lot harder to defend this run offense than other run offenses and I think we already saw the two best run offenses in the NFL this year so I really think the run defense is just going to improve based on not playing the Browns and the Ravens for the rest of the season and so I don't think we should like and we've already kind of said it but I don't think we should freak out that the run defense was, was had holes all around it I just really think the, the Ravens offense and the Browns offense has really uh, given them a lot of trouble and they'll have a lot better, uh, you know, chances moving forward against offenses that don't present those same kind of challenges. You know, it's also somewhat the the beginning of the season. A lot of times your offenses are ahead of your defenses. Um, you know, there's conditioning questions, there's team composition questions. They did make some changes on defense this year. Um, I'm, I've been a little disappointed with the interior especially the interior defensive linemen, actually all of the defensive linemen, frankly, other than, than Chris Jones in the second half last week. Um, I think the additions of Jaron Reed, 
for example, should pay off at some point. Tershawn Warden is going to make plays this year. Mike Dana is going to make plays this year. Uh, those guys, none of them look very good against the Ravens. Um, I'm willing to chalk that up to a bad game or two, um, or, or again, a tough matchup for those guys. Um, we'll see if it continues as the season goes on, but I think there's some, some real questions about how that front seven has looked uh, to date. And again, the hope is that it's a short-term question. Yeah, and shout out Matrick Mahomes at Not a Chiefs fan on Twitter for asking a question about the interior defensive line. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I thought Jaron Reed has been non-existent for a guy that we thought was going to be a huge difference maker in this defense. Derek Naughty had a good game last night, I will say, in some spots. I don't think you can say any of the defensive linemen had good games, I should say, but uh, he had some good stops. And, uh, not uh, you know, Colin Saunders and Turk Wharton weren't really uh, showing up at all either. So, yeah, we're going to see better performances from them, like I said, when we're playing uh, lesser uh, dangerous run offenses for sure. But one thing we didn't get into with the snap counts, and it's relevant because Andy Reid had some comments on this, is the idea that now Tyron Matthews back in the lineup so it's one less safety position. Daniel Sorensen got those reps over Juan Thornhill, who had a nice end to his Cleveland Browns game with just 11 plays for Thornhill. Of the defensive players, he had the least amount of playing time. Here was Andy Reid on Juan Thornhill and Dan Sorensen. Juan and uh, Dan, I, they do uh, certain things the same and a couple things different, but it all kind of equals out. So. Um, and Dan really has had the, you know, he'd had the better camp and so on. So um, maybe a little bit more consistency there, but we love, have, we love Juan and where he's coming, where he's getting himself back to where he was and his rookie year. And um, I don't want to take anything away from the effort that he's put forward to do that, but, um, and they, they, you know, they all get a chance to play. So I, I think, uh, you know, we'll just take it step by step here. And, and uh, you can't have enough of those guys that they can play. So you have Andy Reid really zoning in on the consistency during training camp. And it's very interesting because we saw Juan Thornhill and he got a ton of reps during training camp in the preseason. So much so that he was on with the second team at times with the first team also mm-hmm. on with the third team. And you almost got the sense from a team standpoint that they were just trying to find a way for him to show them that he was ready to be back in the lineup. And in week one, he had to be in the lineup out of necessity. The Chiefs were down to safety, their their best defensive player, as a lot of people would say. So he had to play, struggled in the first half, and then I typed out a thousand words, so a thousand reasons for him to play more in this game. And the Chiefs didn't listen. They don't read arrowheadpride.com, I guess, because sort of benched, <laughs> pseudo benched for uh, Dan Sorensen. And what's tough about this is now you go to the numbers, and there were times that Sorensen didn't look great. PFF had him at four missed tackles. And you have Thornhill with some of these pseudo subtweet type of deal. And it really has become the topic this week in Kansas City. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. And you really wonder, is maybe Thornhill going to get an additional opportunity? I guess we'll have to just see what happens on that front, John. Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of things about this. Um, Reed talked about the consistency. I also think they believe Sorensen is very smart, has a high football IQ. Uh, I think that's part of the reason. Um, I know that doesn't wash with a lot of Chiefs fans. They think that the best athletes should be on the field, and I understand that. Um, But I think we always have to remember that Spagnuolo runs a defense, a thinking man's defense, if you want to call it that. Um, And and that sometimes means you've got players on the field who are less athletic than other players, but it's hard to know what the result would be if the smarter guys were on the bench. Uh, so that, that's a, that's something I think we need to remember as we watch this, that the, the coaches may look at it differently than we do sitting on the, on the, in the press box or in the stands or in front of our TVs. I also think it's important to note that, um, in week one, when Thornhill assumed Matthew's role as the starting safety, uh, Armani Watts played on defense, uh, which he does only rarely. 
yeah. and he had 23% of the snaps uh, against Cleveland. Against the Ravens, Thornhill had 14% of the snaps. Now, yeah. that's less than Watts did in week one, but I think that's because the Chiefs, when they went to multiple additional uh, defensive backs in their formations, the numbers showed that they tended to go towards cornerbacks instead of safeties in this particular game. So, you know, it's not that Thornhill, uh, you know, got a, a low number because they don't believe in him. He got a low number because the third safety gets a low number. Right. I think the problem that Chiefs fans have right now is that he shouldn't be the third safety. He should be the well, second safety. And, and that's I, a that's a, a solid argument. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong, you know. I, so Yeah, I just, I mean, you had a player that, that, was coming off of that game against the Browns where if he doesn't force that fumble, you you maybe don't win the Browns mm-hmm. game. And maybe you're yeah. 0-2. And if he doesn't have that That's pass fair. breakup, yeah. maybe it's it's very different. And I, I don't know. I, I just tend to think that you try to reward plays like that. I, I think we can all agree that who who has the more upside as far as a player period. To me, it, it is clearly Thornhill, higher ceiling in a sense. Now, Sorensen... Uh, has found a way to stick around for seven, eight years now as an undrafted free agent because of the film work that he does. And it is that athleticism versus smarts mm-hmm. chart that you have there. Mm-hmm. And what's tough about this and what's tough about this argument, and, and I, I feel for Chiefs fans because I, I tend to agree in, in this sense. I, I'm not always always hopping on the, the group think, the group chaos and madness. I just tend to think that the Thornhill replacement over Sorensen, given the missed tackles, would have maybe been worth two points, which is what the Chiefs would have taken. I also feel that way about Willie Gay, for example. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs missed Willie Gay so much in this game yeah. in just getting gashed with the run, even less about Lamar Jackson, though I think that Gay actually can chase down Lamar Jackson. Some of these running backs. Willie Gay on the field is not going to get diced up by Tyson Williams and... Latavius Murray and uh, the handful of plays that Devonta Freeman saw. I, I think that that was not something the Chiefs were prepared for, not being without Gay, and it and it really hurt them in this game. I think this is something to watch for the Chargers game, and I also think it's something to listen to on Thursday when Steve Spagnuolo is put up at the podium because Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo operate a little bit differently when it comes to the media. <laughs> We've learned that very clearly yeah. over uh-huh. the years yeah. where uh, especially yesterday i, I <laughs> we just heard andy reed discussing this and he's touching upon it a little bit but not really going into deep mm-hmm. I, he clearly is saying that for one reason or another they felt dan was the better option i mean that is clear in the numbers i wonder if we'll get a little bit more clarity from steve spagnola because you could you know almost without a doubt this is going to be the initial question if not the second question to him um on Thursday. So uh, we'll I was see just going to ask, what do you think the over under is on Thornhill questions when Spagnolo speaks to the media this week? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think it will be a topic and I wonder if Thornhill does get the nod on, on Sunday. And I think he, this young man, he's been waiting for this opportunity to start over Sorensen probably since he had to leave the game in week 17 in 2019, where um, he was the man again. And, you know, you want to be the man, you got to rise to the occasion. So let's see if he gets that opportunity on Sunday. All right. Enough about Sorensen and Thornhill and and that situation. Let's get into Chris Jones and the work in progress, as he called it, leading into week one. That is him learning to play the edge more. Here was Andy Reid. Yeah, I I think, listen, these these last two games here have been have been great for for him. You get two of the best run teams going. So. Um, and this one here, you, with the whole option element in it, you, you've really got to be disciplined with it. And and when you set the edge, you can do. And now, listen, I mean, he can do that. That's not. He's big and he's strong, and uh, he just has to keep working the fundamentals full speed and, and going going through it. And some of this is growing uh, pains right now for him on a few plays. Now, listen, he may made a few plays too, but that consistency ends up being important when you're out there next to next level. These guys are at the linebacker level. <clears throat> you know, you're talking, <clears throat> excuse me, plus four yards there. And then you're talking another, if they get past the linebacker level to the, to the next level. Now, you know, those are big hitters. So uh, it's important. 
you know, it's important that he keeps working it. So some obvious struggles, I think, at the beginning of this game for Chris Jones. It did seem like John Harbaugh and the Ravens caught on to the tape a little bit and noticed and identified that this is a new edge player who will have some growing pains setting the edge. And they were running right at him and and trying to take advantage of it and, and doing so. And I think if a player is going to you know, play along the edge on the early downs, this is this is part of it. And Jones didn't look good, but it, it is just one game. Well, it's kind of the similar to the discussion we were just having about coming back from injury. Um, right. You know, you're, you're getting in a little learning curve uh, when you change the emphasis of what you do. Um, I'm a little less concerned about it with Jones just because uh, they have used him alternately on the outside a fair percentage of the time in the past and of course it is a position he played in college it's not like he's totally unfamiliar with it um but uh, you know there we should still expect there to be a little bit of a learning curve and and for teams to take advantage of that uh early in the season i think jones is smart enough and athletic enough to make the transition to be a guy that can be used both inside and outside, which is, I think, what the Chiefs want, uh, is to be able to do that. And um, I think he can do it, but I think it's fair to think it may take a few games for him to get there. I think we also sometimes forget when it's this early in the season that, in a way, right, I'm going to try to put this carefully, the Chiefs are not necessarily gunning to go undefeated they're gunning to win a super bowl right 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 what does that mean like they they pretty much should have won this game if it wasn't for the fumble we it's we can't well harrison butker we can't assume extra points every 55 yarder that he has he makes so whatever let's say that we we know that butker's gonna make it if if clyde edwards alaire doesn't fumble the football the chiefs probably win this game and all these ugly blemishes they're a little bit less concerning right I think the Chiefs feel their best chance to win the Super Bowl is to have Chris Jones along the edge 18, 19 weeks from now, meaning he'll right. have all those reps under his belt, right? right. You can mm-hmm. you can still win the AFC by by going 14 and three. I think I think that's probably the money area where you feel you feel careful and, and you feel safe. OK, at 14 and three, we're going to get this AFC by now. You already wasted one of those bullets. You have a loss. So uh, you, you have to take that into account as well. But I think that. This is a, a development, and let's see where Chris Jones is at week 18 a, instead of judging it now. Now, in a way, it did cost you a game, so you got to be careful there, too. It's it's a little bit of a catch-22, um, but I, I think the Chiefs might be a better team in the long run by losing a week two game, maybe in part because Chris Jones is not ready along the edge, uh, but he will be when it comes time for the postseason. Okay, then let's look ahead to week three, the Chargers. Um, why is it when, whenever we go away to Newcastle, it's always the Chargers we're playing? Is it? <laughs> but it was last know. time, wasn't it? Was it the Chargers last no. time? <laughs> Who was it last time? How drunk have you been on these weekends? <laughs> I don't know, man. Seriously, um, I have no, no idea. We played, we played the Titans last time. Oh, uh, yeah, the, we did. That I was saw the one where um, Derek Henry ran all over us, the game I mentioned earlier. And the week before, or the year before, was the uh, Jags game, the one where James Ramsey referred to Tariq Hill as a return specialist, that one. We definitely lost one when the, when the we played the Chargers. I'm sure we did. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Forget about that. Forget I even said that. Um, so the Chiefs take on the Chargers at Arrowhead, and they're looking to bounce back, obviously, from the disappointing result in Baltimore. But um, what are we really focusing on on this game that the Chiefs have to really look at? Because I see this Chargers team as quite a threat, especially now after we're seeing what, what, what happened with the Ravens. Um, Again, they've got another good running back, obviously, in Austin Eckler, but they've also got a really stout quarterback who can throw the ball. I mean, yes, he can throw interceptions, which obviously we saw there in, obviously in week two. But, um, you know, this Chargers team is well run, and it's a game the Chiefs have to win in this, especially a division rival. They have to win this game. Um, is there anything that, that we think that the Chiefs have to do, really concentrate on without stating the obvious? Um make sure you guard Keenan Allen with your life and <laughs> try to get some pass rush to Justin Herbert, because if yeah. you don't, it could be a really, really long afternoon. And on the other side, you're looking at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes 
hasn't had the greatest of success against the Chargers. Okay, obviously it's a different regime in in LA now. Um, the Gus Bradley's now with the Raiders, I believe, and he's at DC, so the, it might be a different defensive strategy. But they've matched up kind of well against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs receivers in the past. It's always taken something a little bit special to beat yeah. the Chargers, whether that's intercepting Phil Rivers four times or Patrick Mahomes throwing seventy-yard bombs to. Uh, Tyreek Hill like I threw I threw a needle type stuff so they have to be on it against the Chargers they always have to have been and this week's no exception the Chargers will fancy themselves I believe well, after seeing what the Ravens done to the Chiefs defense after seeing success that the Browns had against the Chiefs defense the Chargers might feel like they have be- a better offense a passing a better passing attack than those two teams and mm-hmm. I probably agree with them like Justin Herbert Lamar Jackson Baker Mayfield I probably rank Justin Herbert, the best passer of those three. Like you watch his game against the Cowboys. Yes, they might have lost, but some of the passes that guy manages to pull off, like rolling out to his right 40 yards, strikes in, in between two defenders. Like he's very Patrick Mahomesy with some of his throws. He really is. It's like he's not, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's really, really good. If we weren't, if we weren't holding quarterbacks to the standard of Patrick Mahomes and holding them to like a normal level quarterback play Justin Herbert would be right up there so there's there's a lot to fear on Sunday night and I, yeah. I'm not too optimistic at this moment in time just just looking back on the uh, previous games that the Chargers have had I mean they're obviously one and one at the moment they've beaten the Washington football team mm-hmm. uh 2016 and they, they've obviously actually lost to the Dallas Cowboys 2017 so not high scoring games no um, which is obviously a plus side for obviously the Chiefs because you know we have had some high scoring games recently, um, but yeah, I mean I, I would say that's a bit more encouragement for me. I, I'm a, I'm quite encouraged at the fact that they're not racking up the big numbers where obviously the Chiefs' offense is. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean looking at those 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 teams that they've played against, Washington's a good team. Washington is a good team. Yeah. But. Cowboys, there is question marks over them at the moment as well. I think Cowboys are a good team too. You serious? I do. I I think the Cowboys, you look at the offense and they're probably the one offense that's most like the Chiefs. They they like to... Seriously? They spread everyone out. They like to go with their receivers and get as many pass catchers on the field as possible, similar to the Chiefs. They like to air the ball out, similar to the Chiefs. Like I think the game when the Cowboys plays the Chiefs could be... 60 to 65 like I, you could talk like Patrick yeah. Mahomes in college type uh, scoring like that's what, how I feel about the Cowboys offense and the Chiefs defense and obviously the Chiefs offense and the Cowboys defense so uh, from a Chargers point of view I think it's quite encouraging that they only allowed that Prescott and his million weapons to score 20 yeah. points that concerns me a little bit Derwin James is back now Derwin James is, is one of the best safeties in the league and He's mm-hmm. done pretty well against the Chiefs in the past and when he's played. So I I I'm I am worried about the matchup offensively for the Chiefs because it's not gone well in the past. And by all accounts, the Chargers defense is playing well again this year. Yeah. Um, just looking at the stats as well. I mean, rushing yards in both games, 90 uh for the Chargers um against Washington, 95 against the Cowboys, but the passing yards, they're, they're actually racking up some good passing yards, mm-hmm. 334 and 313. So they are clearly a passing team, but will they be tempted after seeing what they've seen in the, in the, in the Chiefs previous two games, will they be tempted to abandon that and literally go run heavy on this game? No, I I feel you like think they'll, they'll just I think they'll be balanced, yeah. but I can't see a situation where they're going to say, no, we're not going to pass the ball to Mike Williams. We're not going to pass the ball to Keenan Allen. We're not going to let Justin Herbert do his thing. Austin Eckler will get his touches. What He had 18 touches on Sunday against the Cowboys for 120 yards. So really productive, obviously, in both receiving and rushing games. So he will get his. But I feel like a balanced Offensive attack is probably what the Chiefs will struggle with the most, the threat of the pass and the run. Obviously, this running game doesn't involve Lamar Jackson, which is obviously a massive help for the Chiefs' defence. Yeah, But Lamar Jackson can't throw a ball as well as Justin Herbert can. So there's, there's it's a double-edged sword, really, for the Chiefs' defence. Like You can say pick your poison, but they're both pretty poisonous. And when you're pretty yeah. pu- putrid at stopping either 
of those aspects, then it's not going to be a very good day for the Chiefs defense. I, I, I can see a shootout happening. I really can. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, and thank you for spending your Saturday or Sunday morning with us. We continue on now with Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week with Show and BK on the Chiefs. They got to fix that defense. Okay, so all right, let's jump in here. When the Chiefs, uh, when the Chiefs are on uh, are on defense and the Chargers have the ball, um, I think the, the the big thing for me, fellas, is man, Chris Jones, man, he's just he just has to show up. Like he he's got to show up. What he what he did, uh, what he did Sunday that was just absolutely ridiculous. He just that he just wasn't good enough whatsoever, and uh, and he is a superstar in this league, and I believe one of the best players defensively in this league, and he just didn't impact a huge game. That's a big game. He did impact. The closest thing that he had to an impact play was on the two point conversion, and he had some some. A pressure and and forced Lamar to, to throw the ball before he wanted to. But 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 other than that, he was a no show. And he's too good and too valuable to the Chiefs to not make a play. We watched him against Cleveland not play his best, but he made a couple of plays that helped this Chiefs defense. This this game that can't happen for Chris Jones. I'm with you. I think this is going to be a big game for him. Um, there are some real opportunities for them to be able to take advantage of individual matchups. This is not a very good offensive line on the right side in particular for the Chargers. It's better. It's better than it's been in the past. And they've got Rashawn Slater on the left side. He's a stud at left tackle. Uh, they improved their center position. But on the right side, they're they're just okay. And you should be able to take advantage of that with Chris Jones. So I'm expecting a big one. That was the worst possible matchup for him, man. He's a defensive end, and he's trying to read in those zone reads, and he had no idea what to do. He was completely lost. So if you're Steve Spagnolo, something that I would have expected to happen in that game is some sort of adjustment. Once you see that he clearly is not effective in those zone read situations, you've got to move him, move him back inside. And so I blame a lot of what you saw last week from Chris Jones on the coaching, um, that's not something I do very often. I think Steve Spagnuolo is a pretty bright mind, but that's a game that he just he didn't have the right cues in place. In the past, we've seen some big-time games from Chris Jones against the Chargers. He has four and a half sacks in his career against them. I think you're going to see another big one here in this week. No, I, I it, you need to. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just better than that, right? I mean, he's just – if we're talking what, – what is Pete saying crazy stuff about him being the, the – setting the sack record? Like, I mean, if he's going to do that, man, yeah. he can't no-show big games. That's that's just pathetic, to be honest with you. Everybody gets one game. Everybody gets one bad game. Last week was Chris Jones. 
bad game of the season. He could still be in the defensive player of the year conversation. We just got to have a big rebound. I would also add this. If you, if I were to tell you, Hey, there's going to be one bad Chris Jones game on the schedule. Not like a, not, not a mediocre one where you don't see him very often. No, a, a legitimately bad game on the schedule. I would probably have picked the Baltimore game. That's the worst possible matchup for him. You're going up against Lamar Jackson, who is an incredibly fast, elusive quarterback. Chris Jones is not a particularly fleet of foot defensive end. He's quick and agile for a a tackle. He's not so much for a defensive end. And so you're going up against a team that is specifically reading you against the run, which he's not great at. And you've got a quarterback that's a bit that has the ability to make you miss. That would have been the one that I would have picked even preseason that he would struggle in. I'm expecting a much better performance out of him in this game. And the pass rush has to be better in this one overall, Ron. I mean, I said this a couple of weeks ago. Um, this defense for it to work, especially the, the struggles they're having right now, Chris Jones has to be JJ Watt like from like a decade ago. Aaron Donald-esque, like he, Khalil Mack, like he has to be that dominant up front to make up for a lot of the issues. And he just wasn't that because he's got to be special. Tyron Matthew impacted the game, obviously, in multiple stretches. Frank Clark is who Frank Clark is, right? Like, I mean, I'm not even trying to pound, pound on Frank. He's just, you know, another – He's an above-average player, but he's he's a guy out there. He's not someone that you're coming out and say, "Hey, man, come, come pick it up, come pick it. We got you." Like, I mean, he and he had two impact plays. He had a really nice t- t- tackle for loss on a run play, and then even his his pass rush that he forced a hold. I mean, it, I mean, he looked like a European soccer player that was flopping. Like he got in and got around him and threw his, and threw his body on the hole. Like I mean, he just you just can't expect him going into an expecting Frank Clark to be you know like all right that's all right, that's a bell cow for us who's going to go and make big plays. It's got to be Chris Jones, and we talked about Mahomes kind of playing bit playing having a better game against Charger Sunday. Chris Jones has to because he is the to me he's the number one guy. He's the best player on that defense. Or at least the most that could have the most impact on that defense, and he no showed the game, and that ain't good enough. That ain't yeah. good enough, and 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 I look for him to step up and have a big game, a game that probably fits him better um, with with Justin Herbert, who's going to drop back and doesn't have the confusion of, of Lamar, but it, he's got to impact the game more than that. He does, and I expect him to in this one. I don't expect him to be significantly better against the run because that's just not his style, but this defense overall has to be. Um, they, they so far this year have not just the worst defense in the NFL against the run. This is actually the worst start by any Chiefs defense through two games against the run in franchise history. They have never been it worse through never. their first I mean, you could look back to 2018. They've had some really bad ones. Uh, even 2019, they were not good against the run. Uh, you look back at some of these teams that they've had, it's been ugly. This is the worst. They've never had a worse start through two games against the run in franchise history. It's got to improve. And against the Chargers, they're not a team that runs it a whole lot. They're not a team that's going to lean heavily on a physical running game. You should look significantly better in this game than you have previously. And I, I just hope that they're able to come through with some big plays. This is one of the types of games, Ron, where I expect them to have TFLs and impact plays against the run. Find ways if you're Frank Clark or if you're Mike Dana or De- Derek Nottie. Let's get some impact plays from you guys because the first couple of weeks, they just have not shown up on film. Steve, are we just going to have to accept they're just not. They're just not good. They're just not a good run defense. Like is that because well, they're they not a good run defense? And I'm but just. They, but they I'm talking about never going to be. Yeah, they haven't been a good run defense. If we should be complaining about anybody, we should be complaining about Jaron Reed and his lack of performance because he said in his press conference this week, "We're pissed off." We're upset. We're angry with how we've played so far. Well, Jaron, they brought you in to help the run defense, and through two games, BK just told us it's the worst run defense in franchise history. Can you think of a single moment 
through the first two games where Jaron Reed has stood out as a playmaker for this team, he's done absolutely nothing. So I feel like we need to put a little bit of this temper tantrum that we have towards the defense right now on Jaron Reed because he's done absolutely nothing. Frank Clark was also added to the Thursday afternoon late injury report with the Mm -hmm. hamstring injury. So we'll see how that goes the rest of the week. But I still believe this defense truly can't be this bad. Like they truly cannot be as bad as the 2018 Chiefs defense. There's just more what about specifically the run defense? defense. What about specifically the run defense? I mean, honestly, I think I think they go into every week saying, Well, as long as we don't give up 250 like we did to Lamar, we're fine. If we give up that's what I'm saying, like 160 on the ground, we'll take that every day. As long as we don't give up 250, we don't really care what happens on the ground. I'm just gonna say this: Willie Gay can't make that big of a difference. Like I, I, like I think he will help, but they got Frank back last week, and I think at this point, maybe you all may disagree. I think at this point, Frank is better in the run game than he is as a pass rusher. But they got Frank back. They got Tyron Matthew back. Their quarterback in the back end, and they still got ran through by some Tayson Williams and 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 Murray was in there just running through. Hell, they was about to bring Le'Veon off. They brought they brought forearm Freeman on, and they just said, you know what? We'll give you one carry. He got thirty one yards. I mean, I mean, I just almost somebody. I know it's week two, but should we just accept they just suck at running at, at, at stopping the run? And Willie Gay, a young kid, a second year guy, isn't going to come in and be a savior to stop this. Well, they're going to be bad. The the, the the question is how bad because. I do tend to agree with a lot of the the, the analysis that run defense doesn't matter. Uh, run defense doesn't matter too much, but it does matter. And if you can't stop it to the tune of six yards a carry, well, there's no reason for the opposition to throw it because if you're getting six yards six yards a pop and there are fewer things that can go wrong on a run play than there are on a pass play, then why would anybody pass it against you? And that's what's happening to the Chiefs right now. There are a few other things, just if you're looking for like explanations, not excuses, but explanations as to why we're here. You did go up against the two best running teams in the NFL. Cleveland's awesome. They've got a great offensive line and two of the 10 best running backs in the sport. The Baltimore Ravens have the most complex run scheme in the NFL, and they've got a quarterback that runs it differently than any uh, any other quarterback that I've ever seen, much less that's in the game right now. You look back to 2019 as a little bit of a template run. That defense was really bad against the run early on. And if you're looking for historical perspective, that's the one to look at. They gave up 200 yards on the ground against the Ravens that year in week three. They ended up giving up 185 yards on the ground the next week to the Lions. They gave up 180 on the ground the following week against the Colts. And then 192 the week after that against the Texans. And I'm pretty sure that was Carlos Hyde who carved them up on the ground. It was. They lost that game. No, he's good. And look, I mean, mean, there's some guys. Andrew James is is a Hall of Fame running back when they face the Colts. So, I mean, that's – I mean, you can understand some of that, but Carlos. No, this was 2019. This was two years ago, man. It was Marlon Mack was that running back in that game. (laughs) Who who the hell was the Lions running back that year that carved him up? Was it Kyrion Johnson? The Kyrion Johnson? Yeah, it was. was. Yeah, it absolutely was. I think that was his only 100-yard game of his career, maybe. Of his life. So, listen, that team ended up winning the Super Bowl. And it ended up getting fixed, and we can all remember when it turned, and that was after that Broncos game. Yeah, there was that Titans game mixed in where things got ugly once again, but the Chiefs found something that worked for them defensively. Some of it was scheme. Some of it was personnel. They decided to go with your guy, Mr. Nasty, at middle linebacker. Uh, So there was a lot that changed for that team. And there's going to have to be a lot that changes for this Chiefs team defensively as well. And it's, it starts in this game, man. This is a really big one for them to be able to get things back on track in the run defense. Yeah, they let Austin Eckler run for 150. We got a real problem. But but when you talk about things needing to change, I know this this gets you hot under the collar. This, uh, this red zone defense that was supposed to be a point of emphasis for this team, they are giving up 100% of touchdowns. Every time, not a field goal. We don't see field goal kickers. They give up That's touchdowns good, every it? time. 100%. It's, it's, it's good. It's almost a, unbelievable that they're able to pull it off. So, I mean, that that part, they have they have talked about that all offseason. 
and it is it is it is worse than it was last year to start. I don't understand how this is even possible, Ron. If I told you, if I told you, you know what, I'm gonna get in shape. I've, I've got a wedding in three months. It's time for me to get in shape. And if I'm with you at all times, like I'm saying, Ron, I need you to hold me accountable because I'm trying to get in shape. I want to be in the best shape of my life for for my wedding. And that is my stated mission over the next 90 days. And then you're with me at all times. You're like, yo, are are you like walking or running or anything? Because all I see you doing is eating dessert. You're eating pizza for every meal. I see you eating a fourth meal late night with Taco Bell. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. You told me you're trying to get in shape. And now suddenly all you're doing is everything you would do to not get in shape. Well, yeah, then you should be critical of me because I stated a goal. I stated a mission and I'm doing everything other than what I should be doing to get to that mission. Well, that's what the Chiefs are doing right now. They in their last 53 trips into the red zone, opposing offenses, 53 trips have allowed 42 touchdowns, 42 in their last 53 trips. So far this year, every single time (laughs) an opposing team has gotten inside of the 20, they scored a touchdown. They don't even need a kicker. They look at their kicker and say, yo, you got the rest of this drive off because we're not stopping. We're going to go ahead and score a touchdown here. I don't understand it, man. It's not just bad. This is inept. It's impossible. It should not be this bad for anybody. I don't understand it. And the worst part about it, fellas, is you don't feel like they've got a chance to stop them. Like when it happens, when you're watching it, like it's not like a they've gotten themselves down to a third down or something. They've gotten themselves down where it's like, okay, man, they might not. No, nah, man, it looks like they're going to get playing in. Canadian like football. Was a, they don't even need third down. It's just first and second. No, nope. we're playing yeah. Canadian football out here. No, late in the game, it's just like, just let them score. Just late. So it's going to we can get more. Lamar got out there. It's like, nope, they're not stopping him. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter what the hell they run. They're not stopping him. I mean, and, and they're easy scores. That's So that that has to improve. Talking with Matt Money Smith here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I got one more Chiefs Chargers question for you. One other thing, uh, and we'll get you out of here. Yep. If what are the char- like, What has to happen in your mind? for the Chargers to come out victorious on Sunday? What's the what's the major key to the game that, that you'll be watching for? Uh, from, honestly, Pete, it's score points. You know, yeah. it's like they, they have been moving the ball effectively between the 20s, and they've just been bad in the red zone. And that ain't going to happen. You know, that ain't going to get it done against the Chiefs. You're not kicking field goals and turning the ball over in the red zone, even though, you know, last year, I think, what was the final? I think it was, was it 21 seventh? Was it 2017 or 23 20, whatever the final was? That last early game, year. yeah. That, that first game that they played in week two. Um, the Herbert surprise. The yes, wild, the Herbert wild, surprise. wild surprise. Yes. So I think that's, to me, that's the key is, you know, the defense, look, they got gashed on the ground last week, um, but they bowed up when they had to. You know, the, the Cowboys, you know, who, who really put a ton of points, 29 on the board against Tampa in that defense, they were able to hold them to, to 20. Uh, and three of those was a 56-yard field goal. So I feel okay about the defense, even though it was a little leaky um, okay. last week. But they got to score points. They just they they have to execute better in the red zone. And I think the one thing about that is I almost wonder if it's the the, the new offense and play calling in the red zone. And that's something that that Joe Lombardi and, and Justin Herbert have to figure out because he has not been as as sharp in the red zone as he has as he was last year. So that's probably, you know, not probably, I think that's the key. If they can score in the red zone, I feel like they can, they can trade punches with this offense and, and defensively kind of watching those first two weeks of the chiefs, not being able to get to, to the quarterback against a pretty okay off, you know, offensive line last week and, and kind of watching the Browns jump them a little bit. I feel like the, I think, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored <laughs> and both teams yeah. better score them, you know, in order to get the win. Well, it seems like that's, become now the recipe to beat the chiefs there is one it's not easy to do it's being aggressive limiting total possessions and as you're saying just score you you have to score in in these types of games so we'll see if the chiefs and chargers exchange blows matt we know that you're on chargers play-by-play talked about you doing some nfl network hosting 
Uh, if you are a fan of the entire league, you might have listened to Around the NFL, and you are really the only person who's been on every single episode, seemingly, at, at the beginning uh, with these money tags. And I was always curious, is this something you knock out like 20 or so in one day? Is it a day-by-day thing? How, how does that process work? Yeah, so Erica, uh, Ricky Hollywood, <laughs> as she goes yes. by on the podcast, sure. she'll just send me an email saying, hey, money tags, can you knock them out? And um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I'll do... 20, and thankfully, I don't have to recut the around the NFL podcast. <laughs> like, that's just standard. So I just right. have to uh, read through all the new, you know, which is nice. There's a pause in there so I can just plow through um, all of those. But I love those guys, you know. I mean, I've I, – look, I remember the, the birth of around the NFL. It was, you know, wow. thanks to our friend Dave Damashek who used to bring those guys in. And that's kind of how I got to meet him because Dave, uh, Dave and I go way back. Uh, radio mm-hmm. days we have you know common friends uh, mutual friends I should say but um, Dave was always great about that and just wanting his podcast to be a big you know it's a trunk and there's so many branches and he would bring all these people in so um, it's fun to watch how great um, and how popular that pod has become especially in the UK it absolutely cracks me up that they're as popular <laughs> as they are in London it's hilarious to me yeah, um, the- being being no being chief centric and and just for our listeners i i'm on the go all the time covering the chiefs it's the way that i stay connected with the league it's outstanding so i hear your voice a lot you know at the beginning yeah. of those shows you sometimes pop on uh, when it's a little bit more charger specific yeah. but um let's get you oh, out of here before we go i also oh, no. oh, baby, before we go i also have go to ahead. mention one other thing sure um because it just it just popped into my brain and maybe you're being too polite and you didn't want to bring it up but it was on the dave damashek football program that uh <laughs> I became infamous for my Patrick Mahomes take when the Chiefs drafted him, <laughs> saying that uh, I don't get it. It's a team uh, that went to the playoffs last year. They got Alex Smith. There's a team that can win the Super Bowl. What are you drafting a quarterback for? I wasn't going to do it got, to you. Oh, I'll do it. It's okay. Not only does he have bad footwork, he's got no footwork. <laughs> uh, and that thing continues to live. Uh, my, I have I have three daughters that are older. Um, yeah. I got a daughter that's a junior in college, a senior in high school, and a freshman in high school. And like a month ago, they came in. They're like, Dad, you're TikTok famous. And I said, what do you mean I'm TikTok famous? And some oh, kid no. decided to throw it up on TikTok and it had like a couple million views. I was like, yeah, there we go. Your dad's TikTok I, famous. Better that than dancing, I think. I, the, in your daughter's I, opinion, I'd, I'd assume. You know, the, the no the doubt. Dance TikTok, yeah, for sure. no doubt. Hey, whatever.